Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you back in the Lord's house tonight. Let's stand together, please, and turn to page 649. Page 649, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. Page 649, we'll sing all three verses as we begin together tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below a little silver and a little gold but in that city where the ransom will shine i want a gold one that silver line i've got a mansion just over the hilltop In that bright land where we'll never grow old And someday yonder we will never more wander But walk on streets that are pure as gold Though often tempted Tormented and tested And like the prophet My pillow was stone And though I find here No permanent dwelling I know he'll give me A mansion my own I've got a Just over the hilltop In that bright land where We'll never grow old And someday yonder We will never more wander But walk on streets that Are pure as gold Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely I'm not discouraged, I'm heaven bound I'm just a pilgrim in search of that city I want a mansion a harp and a crown I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old and someday yonder we will never more wander but walk on streets that are pure as gold. Amen. Great start tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be back in God's house. Amen. Sure thankful uh, you're here uh, tonight. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight. Brother Tim Quinlan, would you open us in a word of prayer? Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Did just have a few announcements. I uh, wanted to mention, of course, if you signed up for the couples retreat, don't forget about that. February the 3rd and 4th, and it is at the Double Tree Hotel, all right, in Overland Park, not the Dollar Tree Hotel. Amen. And uh, if you didn't, haven't turned in your money yet, make sure you do that uh, by the time uh, the couples retreat rolls around. Of course, that's here. Uh, just in the next uh, couple of weeks, but sure looking forward uh, to that. If you do have kids in Faith Baptist School, make sure you're aware of, of a few things. Of course, the uh, volleyball and basketball games for the month of February. Both of those will be on Tuesday nights. Uh, February the 7th, Tuesday night, we'll be hosting the games here at 6 o'clock once again. 
And then, of course, February the 21st, which is also Tuesday night, uh, that'll be our last games against Heritage Baptist Church there, uh, and it'll be at Heritage Baptist Church in Lawrence, uh, Kansas, and again, uh, 6 o'clock or 6 p.m. Uh, in the evening uh, time. Uh, also, I did just want to mention a couple of things, too, towards the end of the month of February. If you hadn't marked your calendars, uh, make sure uh, that you do that. Uh, but men, there is the uh, annual bacon and bullets, and sure looking forward to that again. So we'll be having a men's prayer breakfast, and then Lord willing, being able to go to one of the shooting ranges here uh, in the Kansas City metro area. And then, of course, ladies, don't forget about February the 29th, which is on a Tuesday. Uh, be the ladies' meeting uh, at 7 o'clock uh, that uh, night. And uh, man, is that like a leap year? Is it a leap? It's February 29th? Is that? I don't know. I'm getting myself in trouble because I've already said Dollar Tree Hotel. So <laughs> Let's all turn to page 647 now. Page 647. Let's all stand together again. I think we need to stand for this song. It's a great song, good upbeat song. Just a little while to stay here. We'll all be going home if you know the Lord as your Savior this evening. Page 647. Sing it out on that first. Soon this life will all be over And our pilgrimage will end Soon we'll take our heavenly journey Be at home again with friends Heaven's gates are standing open Waiting for our entrance there Some sweet day we're going over All the beauties there to share Just a little while to stay here Just a little while to wait Just a little more to labor In the path that's always straight Just a little more of trouble In this low and sinful state Then we'll enter heaven's portals Sweeping through the pearly gates Soon we'll own the lights of morning Then the new day will begin Soon we'll hear the Father calling Come my children enter in Then we'll hear a choir of angels Singing out the victory song All our troubles will be ending And we'll live in heaven's throng Just a little while to stay here Just a little while to wait Just a little while to labor In the path that's always straight Just a little more of trouble In this low and sinful state Then we'll enter heaven's portals Sweeping through the pearly gates Soon we'll meet again our loved ones And we'll see them by the hand Soon we'll press them to our bosom Over in the promised land Soon we'll hear ever Throughout all eternity What a blessed, blessed morning That eternal morn will be Just a little while to stay here Just a little while to wait Just a little to labor In the path that's always straight Just a little more of trouble In this low and sinful state Then we'll enter heaven's portals Sweeping through the pearly Amen. Looking forward to that day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, since we have two matching, clear down to the tie. We're going to have to pick the guy in the middle to pray for us tonight, all right? Brother CJ, would you pray for the...
Amen. You may be seated tonight. Page 692 will be our last song. Let's stand together one last time. Pastor said we should have named them Pete and Repeat. That should have been the two guys that, anyway. I like the one-liner there. So page 692. When we all get to heaven, what a day that's going to be. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing. And shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all us will sing and shout the victory onward to the prize before us soon his beauty will behold soon the pearly gates will open we shall tread the streets of gold when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Great singing. You may be seated. Just before the message, we're going to have a special from Mrs. Watson and Mrs. Quinlan tonight. said 
to bloom in the spring. He made the mountains and he made the streams. He made the heavens and he made the sea. But when he wasn't it? Good stuff. Good stuff tonight. Well, it's been a good day in the Lord. Amen. And I did just uh, want to say this, really hadn't said anything, but it's been good to have Brother Dylan uh, Mullinax here uh, with us and his wife Isabel. And uh, and we were glad they brought Mavis. Amen. And uh, they just leave her here. Amen. And it's been a real blessing. So I'm uh, sure thankful uh, to get to know them a little bit and I uh, enjoyed having them uh, here. Well, let's all stand tonight in honor of God's Word, uh, if you're able to stand. And I want to invite you to Joshua and chapter number 10 tonight, Joshua and chapter uh, number 10. And of course, we're uh, getting back into the life of uh, Joshua and uh, our study, our series on uh, Sunday night. And uh, we know they've come into the land, they've uh, defeated the cities of Jericho and Ai, and, of course, they made a deal uh, with the Gibeonites, and we're kind of duped into that, and we'll see some more of that uh, tonight. But in the process of all of that, we know this, that the northern, I'm sorry, the southern kings of the land of Canaan begin to align themselves, uh, beginning in, in chapter number 10. Uh, you can read all of them. Uh, tell you what, let's just pick up, uh, <clears throat> let's pick up there in uh, verse number Three, all right, and and uh, we'll uh, kind of our text tonight. We'll be actually preaching from uh, verse number six all the way down to um, fourteen or fifteen there. But I want us to see just kind of the context here, because notice in verse number three it says, "Wherefore Adonizedek, king of Ju- uh, Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Japhia, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying." Come up unto me and help me that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. And so that's exactly what they do. If you look at the end there of verse number 5, it says that these five kings, their military, their armies, they gathered themselves together there at the end of the verse and went up, they and all their host, and encamped before Gibeon and made war uh, against it. And, And so we saw this the last time we were here these five kings coming together, and really it shows you and I a great picture of how our enemy works in the New Testament. Remember, these are physical battles, though physical warfare to give us a picture or illustrate how spiritual warfare works in the New Testament, all right? And so that's the idea here. So that's what we saw, how the enemy begins to work there, but tonight we get to see how our God works. Now look at verse number 6. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. 
And there shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah and unto Makeda. And it came to pass, as they were fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast great stones from heaven upon them, Unto Ezekiel, and they died. And there were, uh, they were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. So that's now what they're called here, all of them coming together, the Amorites, all right? And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, Stand thou, uh, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of uh, Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jash, uh, Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of man, for the Lord fought against Israel. And Joshua returned in all the house of, or in all Israel with him unto the camp of Gilgal. Amen. Well, the longest day, the real longest day right there. Amen. And uh, what a blessing. Here's, here's what I find tonight, okay? So again, we saw how the enemy works, but now we see how God works. And this is what I find. God is a God of victory. God is a God of victory. But there's also something else here to note from the life of, of Joshua throughout this scene. And this is really what I want us to grab a hold of tonight. There's certainly some wonderful things to look at from our God. But we also have to see this, that Joshua shows us the response of faith that you and I must have in order to overcome the enemy in our New Testament life. And so I titled the message tonight, really, so you've got God is a God of victory, but you got also you have Joshua exercising faith. And so when you begin to put them together, well, I would say kind of like what really the Apostle John said, faith is the victory. Isn't it? I mean, for who whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Well, I'm telling you, it's not, listen, I'm, it's not so much about how much faith you got tonight, but it's, it's who your faith is in. Because if your faith is in the God of victory, well, there's a real good chance you'll have victory. Amen. And so what a blessing tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And Lord God, just, just asking, Father, that you would fill me with your spirit tonight. And Lord, let it just be, really, Lord, let it just be a sweet time around your word and to be ever so challenged tonight from our faith as your people, to have victory, God, to trust you in our lives. There's just some wonderful, wonderful truths here tonight. And God, just asking that you would use me to bring those things out. And Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the, just the great day you've given us. I, I think about this morning in Romans 7 and, and just the conflict that is within us. And thank you, Lord, that through Christ we can have victory. But Lord, even as we go deeper with that tonight, Lord, help us to be a people of faith. And Lord, trusting you and leaning upon you, would you bless now? And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? You know, I, I guess when I think of overwhelming odds, you, you know, in a situation like that, certainly David and Goliath comes to mind. It's really the, I mean, the Bible illustration of illustrations, amen. We, now, we know that it's ultimately, it's an account in the Bible that literally happened, but even in our day and time, it's become that illustration to demonstrate a one-sided situation. Well, the reason that I bring that up is because really what I would say to you is that we have a David-Goliath moment on our hands before there ever was a David and Goliath. You, you have five kings that are lined, uh, aligned together with, with their armies, and though the Bible doesn't, it doesn't specify the you know, the number of soldiers that were together, you and I must have to conclude that if you've got five kings 
and all of their mighty men lined up, and then you've got Joshua and Israel, then you would have to conclude that there, there's, a, there's a very overwhelming odds uh, that's taking place right here, and a very one-sided issue, and, and, and you have all of these you know, armies together, and then you have Joshua in Israel, but we also find this, that it's small potatoes when it comes to our God. But overwhelming odds like this, it does show us two clear things. It does show us this, and, 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 and even we kind of looked at it last uh, time we were here and mentioned it tonight, but it does show us how our enemy does work. He does want to overwhelm us. He wants to come at us with, with everything that he's got. And even as mentioned this morning, as we were looking at the subject of victory, if you're saved tonight, then the battle for your soul has been won, and praise God for that, but if you're, but, but you gotta understand the battle still continues because the devil, the enemy does want to ruin our testimony. He does want to get us defeated and discouraged and out of the things of God. And if he can do those things, then my friend, he is winning in our life. And we've gotta understand those things. And be in fact, in our last message, I, I we really, I, I just wanna remind you of this, but we saw this great picture of each of the things that these kings represent. And I again, I don't want to go through all the background and how we developed all of this, but if you study it out, I believe you'll conclude some of the same things. But Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, uh, represents the backsliders. And Hoham, king of Hebron, represents the worldly. And Piram, king of Jarmuth, represents the self-righteous. And Jephiah, king of Lachish, represents the rebellious. And then Deber, king of Eglon, represents uh, idolatry. And if I could say it like this, that's really the pattern that the enemy wants to take us on today. He wants us to backslide and get away from the things of God, does he not? Certainly he does. And then once backslidden, well, immediately what happens is this. We become worldly in our lives. And then as we become worldly, we begin to be, be self-righteous and developing a critical spirit. I would say this. We definitely develop a critical spirit, especially towards those who we used to be in church with. Well, sure seen that a lot. And then we get all out rebellious. And pretty soon we find ourselves worshiping and living for the temporal and the idolatrous in our world today. What, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that as a pastor uh, for some 15 years, I'm just telling you, I've seen a lot of people in our day and time fall into this pattern that the enemy has for us rather than enjoying the victory that Joshua does in our text. No doubt about it. Well, why, why is that, preacher? Why are there so many? I mean, you think about it. There's, I mean, you, you know, and I, there's, there's a lot that seem to fall in this pattern. Well, here's why. It's because of the overwhelming odds that the enemy throws at us. But at the same time, you got to understand this, that this also explains just how important it is that we have God on our side. That, this, that we involve Him in our battles. That we go to Him for strategy against the enemy. Well, why? Because here's the thing. If we do it God's way and we've got God on our side, then no matter what the enemy throws at you and I, we're never outnumbered. But, but this is what I want us to catch tonight as we dive into this little section here in Joshua get, getting great victory because here, here's the thing. Not only is this, man, it, it is. It's a great scene of God uh, getting a great victory for Joshua in Israel. But, but here's the other thing. There, there's a tremendous lesson here because this passage also shows us the dynamic that's supposed to happen, all right, that's supposed to take place between God's people and God Himself for victory. All right, let me, let me explain. Let me just bring some things out to you. It's, it, I mean, it's almost like in every section you'll see this. Joshua did what was required of him, and then the Lord took care of the rest. It's amazing to note that. Look at verse number 7, or uh, yeah, verse number 7 of our text. And, and just notice these things that Joshua does and then God does. Look at verse number 7. So Joshua ascended. From Gilgal. Now look down at verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not. Look down at verse number 9. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly. Look at verse number 10. 
And the Lord discomforted them. All right? And then look at verse number 12. It says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord. And then in verse number 13, it says, And the sun stood still. Do you see all of that? Do you see kind of the pattern there and the things that, that, that are taking place? It's the idea of this, that Joshua did what he could do, and then God did what only he can do. I mean, that, that's, that's what's going on. But, but here's the point. And I mentioned this a moment ago. As a pastor, I'm just, listen, and I'm not trying to be a gloom and doom guy. I'm not, I'm not that at all. I don't think I am, though some would argue that. All right, but I'm, I'm not trying, but, but I mentioned a moment ago, listen, I, I have seen, I've seen far more people follow the, the pattern, uh, uh, especially God's people, follow the pattern of being defeated by the enemy in our day and time rather than getting the victory. And I want you to think about that. And I even thought about this tonight. We used to say this when I was in Cassville. I mean, I went, was there for almost 10 years. And, and we used to say this, especially in like year 7 and 8 and 9. If all the people that had gotten saved under our ministry in Cassville were still all there, they'd have had to build a new building. I mean, you think about it, friend. And I listen, and I get sometimes there are professions and not possessions. But you understand, listen, I, I'm just telling you right now, as a Bible believer, I did my very best to handle the souls of men with great care. And to make sure that people genuinely put their faith and trust in Christ. And I believe, I believe most every one of them that, that we dealt with, I would say to you, they genuinely called upon the Lord. I was there and watched it. And saw them genuinely call upon the name of the Lord. But I'm just telling you what happened is they begin to fall into this pattern where the enemy came at them with everything that he could and eventually they got out of church and they got away from the things of God and then they became critical and rebellious and idolatrous and all of those things that the enemies of the southern kingdom have. I, listen, I, this is what I thought about. If everybody that had gotten saved got saved, our churches would be full today. They would be. I'm, I'm just telling you, they, they would be. All right, but and, and so here's the thing. So so why is this? Why well is it is it because God, you know, well preacher just you know God doesn't work the same way anymore. That, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So 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 what you know, well, you know, you know, can he can he no longer just give his people victory? No, 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 friend. No, none of those are right questions. See, see, the answer is really it's right here in our text. All right? It's because we miss this principle. See, we have we have people facing overwhelming odds against the enemy and spiritual warfare, and they're headed towards defeat in their Christian life, yet they are sitting on their hands and waiting for some miracle to fall out of the sky. And what I want to say to you tonight is this, is that it does not work that way in the Christian life. It doesn't work that way. There is a responsibility that falls on you and on me as a child of God. And we are to do those things first and then watch as God intervenes and does what only He can do. You know what that's called? Faith. That's what that's called. Faith. So I want to say to you tonight this. If there's anything you and I could grasp from the life of Joshua tonight, it's this. Just be faithful. Do the things that you know that God has already said to do. You, you understand? I, no, well, you know, preacher, it's Joshua 24 where, where God, you know, Joshua finally says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you understand, Joshua's already living that right now. He's already being faithful. He's already putting God first in his life. He's already exercising the faith that he had when God called him to lead the people of Israel. And I'm just saying to you tonight that you and I, as children of God, if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then faith doesn't stop there, my friend. The just shall live by faith. It's not just that we call upon Him in salvation. It's that we need faith today. And we need it tomorrow. And we need it next week and next month and next year. And we keep serving God and being faithful and then trust Him to do what only He can do. 
That's the idea that we grab a hold of in our text tonight. But I'm just telling you, there are people sitting at home and just going, well, you know, preacher, we're just waiting on God. Listen, God, maybe God's waiting on you. We, uh, how often times do I find myself in the Scriptures seeing things and realizing this? We, we often have this mindset that the ball is in God's court, but when you study it out in the Word of God, you begin to find out this. Really, the ball's in our court. And God's just waiting on us. Listen, it's, it's faith that pleases God. I mean, he that cometh to God must believe that He is. He is what? He is. Or as Brother Seth put it in our men's Bible study, I am. Just believing that He is, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That is what faith is. It's not a phase of life you go through. It's a new life you begin to live in God by faith. By faith. So let me show you some things from this passage tonight. Maybe we could draw this out. Listen, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. You know, you can look at verse number 6 there. Uh, that begins kind of where I wanted us to pick up tonight, where it says, The men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. And so we understand that at the end of verse number 5, the, the, this alignment of the southern kings, they've, they've already surrounded uh, Gibeon. And so... Now Gibeon, you know, they're, they're reaching out uh, to Joshua. They're a weaker people now. They're alone. And so they become this liability to Joshua in Israel because in chapter number 9 you have where, where Gibeon, they deceived Joshua and Israel, made them think that they were people from far away when really they were right there in the southern land of Canaan. And so they deceived Joshua and Israel into making a covenant with them. And so now, again, now they are a liability to Joshua. So, so in response to being surrounded, they send word to Joshua for help. And in verse 7 it says that Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people to go to, uh, all the people of war with him and all the mighty men uh, of valor. And so, uh, and notice in verse number 8, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And really, in verse number 8, God responds with what I would say is a word of encouragement. It's the idea of this, that before the battle begins and Joshua helps Gibeon, Joshua must first get help from the Lord. God encourages him. It's the same phrase, fear them not. It's the exact same phrase God used in Joshua chapter 1 when Joshua stepped in the place of Moses as the leader of God's people. God said, fear them not. And then he begins to give him a promise that there's not a man of their enemies that's going to be left standing before them. Now let me give you a couple of things about this. First of all, I, I thought about this. Why, why does God, why does He pop in right here and just, and just give Joshua this word of encouragement? Well, well, I would say to you, no doubt, the overwhelming odds. I mean, that immediately came to my mind. I mean, you got this, this overwhelming, you know, this David versus Goliath moment and God's coming in to encourage them. And no doubt, that's certainly a legitimate reason. But I also think that there's a little more to it than that. And what came to my mind is this, is that the failure of Joshua and Israel when they made a deal with the Gibeonites. Let me, let me, let me show you something really quick. I want you to go back to Joshua 9.14, okay? Still a little study tonight. Y'all all right? All right. I know y'all are always quiet on Sunday night. You make me nervous. But I'm praying for that. Amen, I'm praying. <laughs> Joshua chapter 9, look at verse number 14. Notice this, and the men took of their victuals. All right, and this is talking about Israel, and it says, "And ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord." See, see, listen. That was that was Joshua and Israel's mistake right there in dealing with Gibeon. And please catch this. Now watch this. Now, now watch. That was the same mistake they made before they went to, to the first battle of Ai. You remember Ai? 
where they suffered their only defeat and, and the lives of 36 men were destroyed because of that. Because here's why. They did not seek counsel from the Lord. Is everybody catching that? Joshua just said, hey man, let's go. Let's. They t- he took the advice of his men, sent a few, uh, few thousand troops over and had no idea that Achan, this was in chapter 7, in verse, you know, in, or uh, actually in chapter 8, had no idea how the chapter started out because it starts out with, but Achan. Because he had brought sin into the camp, he had no idea. All right, <clears throat> but notice, all right, or actually that was chapter 7. Now look at, look at chapter number 8, excuse me. So that was chapter number 7 where that happened, but look at chapter number 8. Actually, it was chapter number 6. I'll get my chapter straight here. That's not in my notes, but just, just stay with me. Just bear with me. It's kind of like Dollar Tree and Double Tree Hotel. Just stay with me. Just trust me. All right. look, at, look at Joshua chapter 8. Look at verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua. Now, what's that, those two words right there? Fear not. Did you catch that? See, this is after dealing with the sin of Achan. And so God once again encourages them. Uh, with, with his word. What, the point I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that you can be sure, now watch this, you can be sure that the same fears of another AI happening were in the hearts and minds of Joshua and the people of Israel as they went to go and rescue Gibeon. Is this going to be another defeat? Because we blew it in chapter 9 and we made a deal with these people and we asked not counsel of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, fear not them. I'm with you. You're going you're gonna to have a great... What an awesome thought. Listen, listen to me. L- listen, I wrote this down in my notes, and I want to read it to you, and I want you to listen to this. Don't let your past failures write the rest of your life story. You, you need to understand something tonight, friend. You need to know this, that God forgives... And God, listen, God casts our sin as far as the east is to the west, never to be remembered no more. And you need to know this, that if you'll turn it over to Him, He can turn our wrongs into a great victory. And that's exactly what He does right here with Joshua at the beginning of this passage. It's incredible, isn't it, to think about that? That here's our great God showing up and giving and just encouraging Joshua and saying, hey, fear, fear not them, friend, just... You, you know, I'm with you. They're not going to stand again. And how, what, a, what a tremendous relief that was from Joshua who's thinking in the back of his mind, is this going to be an AI situation? Is this going to be where I'm going to lose some more men and we're going to be defeated and we're going to have to get things straightened around with God? What's going to happen here? And to have God show up, it was like, son, let's go, boys. We be ready. Now, let me, let me give you the other thing here, and that's really the resource of the help. In other words, where did the help come from? Well, folks, it's the Word of God. And did you know this? That you look at phrases like fear not. Fear, the, just the phrase fear not is mentioned 62 times in the Bible. Twice in Joshua. Then you have phrases like this, fear not them, which is in our text. Or fear them not, rather, is in our text. Or fear not them. But the point is, I mean, you have a multitude of times where those things are brought out in the Bible. And the point is to say this, the Bible is chock full of other things besides thou shalt not and thou shalt. And I'm not dismissing those things. Listen, those are important. I'm just saying that some people are so small-minded that they fail to realize the encouragement and the strengthening and the help that can be found in the Word of God. And here's the greater thought of all of this. It was Joshua that responded by faith to the battle. Though he had messed up in chapter number 9, he was still going to do what was right and what was required of him and then trust God to do the rest. And in in, in the response to his faith, God gives him this help. And I'm saying to you this, God can still do the same thing with us through His Word. It is us that have to learn to respond by faith and do the things that God's already said to do and do what is right. 
I'm just, listen, you, you, want, you want help tonight? You want help from God's Word tonight? How about start with this? How about read it daily? How, how, about, how about this? How about be in church when the doors are open? Now, I, I realize, man, this is the Sunday night crowd, and praise God for that. I'm just saying to you, friend, that, 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 that it's the response of faith that God's people must have that we'll do this, and then God gives us the help that we need. Well, folks, we, we, listen, we've got, too many, we've got too many of God's people dealing with things like discouragement and discontentment. And please don't, don't misunderstand that. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize those things because I have battled those things. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that if you and I ever plan on getting the victory that God wants us to have, then we must exercise faith. And it begins with getting in the Word of God in spending time with God, in getting the strength and the help that we need from God. It is of no coincidence that when people get down in the mouth and, and start uh, and, you know, and, and battling discouragement, the first thing that goes out of their life is they stop reading their Bible and they stop coming to church. And then they sit at home and go, well, I guess nobody cares about me. When that's not true at all, people do care about you. I don't know how many times I've said as a pastor, man, Baptists are creatures of habit. We all sit in the same spot, in the same place in our pew. And so when the man of God's standing in the pulpit and looks out, he knows the people that aren't there. I got a list of every person in this church on my prayer list, and I can go through it and go, yep, so-and-so wasn't there. Yep, so-and-so wasn't there. They weren't there. They weren't there. They weren't there. Friend, don't think that you're not missed in this place tonight. You are, and people do love you, and do, people do care about you, but you've got to get to this place where you stop banking on men and start banking on God to give you the help that you need because men will always fail, but He never fails. He never fails. Well, preacher, I just, man, I want what Joshua had. I want God to just show up in my life and just tell me out loud, fear them not. Well, let me help you with that. Read the Bible out loud. God will speak to you. That's God speaking right there. Listen to me. Don't sit here tonight and go, well, we just don't, we just don't, we just don't have these things. Do you realize how much better we got it than Joshua? We got Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. We've got the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We've got the full canonized scripture from Genesis to Revelation. All Joshua had was the law. You know, our, our problem is this, is that we sit around too much complaining about what we don't have rather than praising God and taking advantage of what we do have. We've got too many with first world problems tonight. I said that the other day. I don't remember what it was. We couldn't find the TV remote or something. And I was griping and complaining. I said, that's a first world problem right there. You know why? Because people in third world countries ain't, lo- ain't griping about losing their TV remote. They ain't even got no TV. Right. <laughs> and I'm just saying to you, we're guilty of the same things in the spiritual realm. And folks, here we have this precious Bible. And the best we can do is make a coffee table ornament out of it. And it ought to be something we go to day in and day out, and we're asking God to speak as we dive into that thing, and you watch as God gives you the help that you need. And I don't know how many times I've come into this place. And people go, man, were you reading my mail? No, I wasn't reading. I don't read my mail. <laughs> Most of it goes in file 13. If you don't know what that is, it's got teeth on the top of it and shreds it when it goes down. Folks, that's the Bible. That's the Word of God. But do you not realize that the Word of God speaks like this Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? And I'm just saying to you, we need to start doing the things that we know to do. Look at the next thing here. So you got the help of God right here with Joshua. But let's move on. Let's look at verse, verse number 9 of our text. Because it gets even gooder, doesn't it? Look at what happens in verse number 9. And Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly... Son, he got the word of God and said, Fear them not. Son, that lit a fire under him. And they went, notice it says this, and went up to Gilgal all night long. Man, they were, they were night owls, man, running through the night. 
And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them all along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Ezekiah and, and Makeda and unto Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were going in, uh, and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekiel, and they died. And they were more which died with hailstones than they which whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. So you got the help of God, then you got the hailing of stones. Do you know the largest stone ever recorded in America was 17 and a half inches round? And weighed about, and weighed 1.67 pounds. It landed in Kansas in 1970. Glad I wasn't here for that. You get hit with something by something like that, I'm just telling you, you're, it's not good. It's not good. I, I would have to say, though, that it's most likely these hailstones had to be larger. The Bible describes them and says it's great stones. And notice that they were, they were thrown with perfect accuracy. There was no friendly fire from God. Sorry about that. Oh, come on. You know, that was funny. Some of you are like, I don't want that to. That was kind of funny. But again, wasn't it this response? This, this was a response to Joshua's faith to show up in the battle in the first place. I mean, come on, friend. He had to, I mean, he had to do what was right and, and, go, and, and go help. And go help Gibeon. But then when God said, fear them not. Man, they, they went all night to this battle. They were ready. And they went out. They started the fight. And went after them. And it says the Lord came among them and discomforted them. That means this. They started fighting. But man, it was God that showed up and started, started whipping them. If I could say it like that. And man, the next thing you know, they start going on the run. And God says, you're not getting away. It's amazing, isn't it? Where the enemy seeks to put us on a pattern headed to defeat, I would say to you tonight, God wants to put us on a pattern to victory. He wants us to seek courage from His Word and then trust Him. Listen to this. And then to trust in His power. His power. As we fight against our enemies like the flesh and the world and the devil. And I'm not talking about the people of the world. I'm talking about the world system. Listen, the world, listen, the people of this world, that's our mission field. But you got to understand tonight, friend, listen to me. It's God that wins the victory. It is us who simply need to show up by faith. It's amazing. This, it's amazing. Just, I mean, in just some of the most simplest things in the Christian life, I was thinking about just, just something as simple as, as preaching. And, I, you know, you study and you pray and you prepare, and, and even, you know, and especially it seems like on Sunday mornings, you realize you get a lot more visitors in on Sunday mornings and people that don't know the Lord and, and things like that. And so you're like this bundle of nerves and standing over here. That's why all the guys, you know, Tim and Brother Tim and Brother Eric, they sit over here because I'm like the pitcher in the dugout with a no-hitter going on. And I'm over here by myself, but I'm over here shaking and jittery and scared to death. But it's amazing that when, by, when you just do what God says to do and you step into the pulpit, how God just immediately calms your nerves and gives you the boldness and the power and the grace to preach the Word of God. Do you, do you understand? I'm just listening. Something as simple as that. And I, listen, He may not drop hailstones from the sky for you and I in our day and time, but I'm just saying to you tonight that His power is still very evident in working among us in our day and time. He gives us the words to say. He gives you the boldness and the confidence you need to be the witnesses that He's called you to be. He even works in the lives of those that are listening. And people get saved. And people have strongholds torn down in their lives. And people begin to follow and do the things that God wants them to do. And I'm just saying to you tonight, it's us, friend, that just simply need to do what God's already said to do. And take Him by faith and trust Him that His power will show up. And it does. It does. 
But then certainly you have this last portion here, which is what I would call the halting of the sun. It's incredible. Really, you know, you look at this passage and this becomes like the the miracle of miracles. I mean, as if hailstones weren't enough. So you have Joshua, look at verse number 12. It says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down. Now watch this, about a whole day. So again, Joshua wanting to finish the job and wipe out all the enemies. And God does this and allows him to do it. Well, you and I know, well, wait a minute, you know, what about science? Well, here we go. And, and as per usual, there is a great deal of controversy here in this passage of Scripture. Imagine that. But I do know this. I know God is the Creator, and therefore God can do what He wants to do. If He wants to make the day longer, He can make the day longer. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. Joshua didn't know all the stuff that we know today that science has allowed us to know. He didn't know the earth was 8,000 miles in diameter. He didn't know that it was 200 million square miles of surface area and 71% of that was water. And he didn't know the earth traveled through space at a speed of 18.5 miles per second. Joshua was not aware that the sun was 93 million miles from the earth and its core is 30 million degrees Fahrenheit. Joshua didn't know any of those things, but he sure knew God. And he asked God, and he asked the help of the Lord to give him this victory. And Joshua had no idea that his request slowed 6.66 trillion tons of spinning gravel and water to give the victory. Talking about the earth. It's amazing. And I, you know, some are probably, you know, well, wait a minute. Why didn't uh, Joshua address the sun and... Why did he address the sun and not the earth? Doesn't he know that it's the earth rotating and that causes the day and nights? Well, was this a mistake? Well, no. Joshua was just using the language of observation, speaking from the appearance of things on earth. And by the way, it's the same thing we do. We talk about sunsets and, you know, sunrises and all of those things. Well, that's the earth rotations. Why don't we call it that? Even the almanacs and journals of... Uh, that record hours of those things. They, no one said, well, you know, that scientific error. Nobody says that until you get to the Bible and everybody turns into a critic. When we're really, we're not supposed to be, we're to be believers. And Joshua's request, think about this, Joshua's request that the sun was to stand still, it was right on target scientifically. Imagine that. The Hebrew word for stand still is a verb of motion it means to cease acting or stop working. And science has proved in the 20th century that the spinning of the earth is the result of the gravitational pull of the sun. If the pull of the sun stopped working or ceased, then the earth's rotation would be slowed. And that's exactly what happened. Imagine that. It's amazing how you're led by the Spirit of God and you say something that's recorded in the Word of God and it turns out to be exactly right. That was sarcasm, you didn't. Okay. Told you that was my spiritual gift, right? There's never been a day like this before or after, as verse 14 says, if God could create the world and send plagues upon Egypt and part the Red Sea and the Jordan River and send a worldwide flood and use a fish to swallow a man for three days and wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah, He can certainly slow the earth's rotation too, don't you think? Joshua's prayer proved the Canaanites' gods were powerless the sun and the moon were compelled to obey the Lord. And this brings us to a really good question. And even it's pointed out there that this was written in the book of Jasher in verse 13. And I thought about this. Did anyone else record this miracle in their historical records? And the answer you will find is this. Chinese writings record a legend of a long day. It's not a legend. It's true. The same legend is recorded among the Inca Indians of Peru and Aztec Indians of Mexico. Both of these tribes worship the sun. Babylonian and Persian documents record the legend of a day miraculously extended. 
Herodotus, an ancient historian, recounts that while in Egypt, the priest showed him their temple records and he read of a day twice its natural length. And listen to this. Harold Rimmer in his book, Harmony of the Science, Harmony of the Science of Scriptures records the story of a professor of astronomy at Yale University who found the earth was somehow 24 hours out of schedule. Dr. Totter, another professor of Yale, challenged him to read the Bible and find the answer. And this professor said that 23 hours and 20 minutes was lost at this event in Joshua. But then he decided that the Bible was not the Word of God because there, were, there was a 40-minute mistake. And then Professor Totter showed him the phrase about a whole day that's in verse 13 here. And the professor continued to read the Bible and found that God promised to add 15 years to King Hezekiah's life in his answer to his prayer in Isaiah 38 and 2 Kings 20. And God confirmed the promise by turning the sundial back 10 degrees. And 10 degrees is 40 minutes. And the unbelieving astronomer bowed his head and put his faith in Christ. It's awesome stuff. It's amazing, man. And all of this is wonderful about this passage and the ability of our God. But here's the point. It was Joshua that first exercised his faith. And asked it in the first place. He prayed. He prayed publicly. Didn't matter who heard. I want to say to you tonight that prayer is the response of our faith. That's why in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives this parable of the unjust judge and the widow woman who was so very persistent. And the unjust judge finally answers her request. And at the end of it, Jesus says this, Even so, when the Son of Man cometh, will He find faith on the earth. Why did He say that? It was because her persistent prayer life reflected faith. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, this is what we need. Folks, if, you're, if you and I are going to have victory tonight, we've got to do this. And God may not make the day long as He did here, but I want to say to you tonight, He's still faithful to answer prayer. The problem is, we just simply aren't praying in our day and time. And I listen. It, it, I it's it's unlike the unlike the persistent widow woman. We're we are if we are praying, we're so quick to give up before we ever get an answer. We're just so quick. You know, my challenge to myself this year, and I think I've shared this already, but I, my challenge to myself this year has been this. Pray bigger. And I hope that makes sense, to pray bigger. Because, this, because here, here's the thing, and I, this is what I believe in my life. You, you can take this for what you will, but this is how I feel and what the Lord's challenged me on. I, I feel like this. I have not because I ask not. And if my God can make the earth stand still, then anything is possible with God. And I'm just saying to you, the challenge to me is this, then why don't I pray like what I believe? Listen, I, I'm just telling you tonight, I, I've, seen, I've seen a whole lot of people follow the pattern of the southern kings. I, I have. I've seen that. I've got to be honest with you, I'm tired of seeing that. Because <laughs> wouldn't it be awesome in 2023 to see a host of people follow the pattern of Joshua right here. To exercise the faith that they claim to have. To get in the book and be encouraged from the things of God. And to begin to go into battle and see God's power work and move in their life and in their family. And then to see God do mighty things through prayer that only He can do. And in the end, mercy, there's a whole lot of victory and rejoicing. Can I ask you something tonight? What, what about you? Faith, faith is this key thing to victory. 
but are you and I, are we exercising it like we're supposed to? Let's all stand tonight.